sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, we're back. We're back in the studio and back with Rob and Justin and Chris. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? <laughs> uh, I've had I've had a I've had a freaking good week. I really have. I'm feeling good, feeling up. Uh, I guess that had a whole different connotation back when I was a teenager. But uh, Justin, Justin, you're checking in from an unusual place. Where are you, dude? I'm in uh, Park City, Utah, currently right now. Okay, uh, we're doing we're doing a uh, a Utah. Let's check out the big five um, and then uh, head up to Park City and hang out around, too. So I uh, dropped in at uh, Zion and um, Bryce Canyon and a couple other small little attractions around there. Going to Moab and uh, the Arches next week. Uh, just oh, taking nice. it. Guys, man. Are the national parks busy? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, really? it's crazy, too, because I think there are more. I feel like there are more foreigners or outside of people from outside the, yeah, US, yeah, 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 yeah. the U.S. at these parks, um, which is great because I've had some great uh, cultural uh, discussions um, <laughs> and just seeing how, I, you know, how's everything going on like right now in their culture and in their in, in their different societies. Met a, a couple of gals that are from Belgium. They're nannying here in the United States, a couple from uh, uh, Germany. Um, wow. So, and then a couple families, a lot of families from uh, Western and Eastern Europe. So uh, it's been cool to just have some really good conversation. Justin, it, folks have been gored by bison lately. <laughs> is, that, is that on the agenda? <laughs> I, I, I national parks. I did see bison, but no one's been gored by bison. Okay. Yeah. Stay in the car and don't get the. You know, yeah. don't, don't feed the bears. Don't don't let your bear feed the bears. Okay. Ironically <laughs> hey, enough, that say don't feed the squirrels. Wow. Um, not really? even it's going, they're going past bears now. So don't feed the squirrels. Because I'll tell you right now, they're little tricky suckers. They'll they'll walk right up yeah. to you. They'll go up on their two feet, and there'll be a tear yeah. coming out of their eye. And yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've heard that people have been gored by squirrels. I don't know if that's true. Or not. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, anything new in your life, there, Rob? No, I had a uh, relaxing weekend, a little pool time, got out and did some new things with barbecue, some cultural interaction, and uh, I watched West Side Story. <laughs> did you really? The, the new one or the old one? The new one. The, so the cultural reference that I have not been able to be part of for the better part of 35 years of my life, I thought, I'm going to watch this thing, and I'm going to now know what everybody's talking about when they talk about the Jets. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, a football right. thing. Yeah. yeah, I got it. I'm in. I'm in now. <laughs> okay. F fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, did you watch uh, West Side Story there, Chris? I've not. I'm going to stay oblivious <laughs> to that. Uh, I did watch <laughs> and Top Gun this weekend. Though. It was a holiday weekend. So oh. I got out, went to the movie, saw the Elvis movie with my wife. That was pretty cool. Um, I liked it better than she did. Um, but uh, I'm a big Elvis fan. And uh, I went with some guys from the Samson Society to go watch Top Gun. So we oh, had nice. an excursion from our local Samson Society group, went and watched Top Gun. Uh, I won't spoil it for you, but the first hour and a half, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. The last half hour, I was crying, man. I was crying. So oh, very, wow. very emotional father-son figure stuff. So um, yeah. it, was, it was a good reminder of uh, why we spend time together as men, and I enjoyed it. And then we went to Golden Corral. Haven't done that, and I don't know how long, man. Oh, you it's been 15 years since I went to the Golden Corral. So we were we actually did it because a friend of mine's wife is out of town, and she never lets uh, his family, his kids, go to the Golden Corral. So uh, he oh. went when she was uh, um, when she was out of town, and we had a good time together. Took a picture to show her. It was still pretty delicious. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. That's that's fantastic. Well, I've had a good week. I think it's partly due to the fact that I, I decided to participate this year in Dry July. Mm. So uh, 
Uh, haven't been drinking at all so far this month. Uh, yo, our uh, our producer here, Sean, doesn't like us to uh, make a lot of time references because sometimes these episodes get posted far later. Uh, just say I'm seven days into, at this point, the day we're talking, I'm seven seven days into the month, and uh, it's been it's been good. It's been really good. Yeah. Hey, what do you say? I had a good time last week just uh, doing some sharing time cued by the man cards. Mm. Drew Boa and Husband Materials uh, man cards. Hey, by the way, listeners, if, if you're not, if, if you haven't listened to the Husband Material podcast or gone to the website, do it. These are great guys. And I love this idea, these cards. So what do you say we pick a card? I think it's, let me see, I think it's uh, Rob's turn to pick a card. Pick a card, any card? That one? Yeah. Okay, that one. All right, here it is. And the topic is, what emotional state is most triggering for you? Yikes. Well, hey, guys, I'm Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Um, so I know uh, since Aaron's not with us, I'm going to bring in a little bit of Enneagram. As I'm an okay. Enneagram 7, uh, which is the good time guy, I like to keep things light and happy and have fun. But when I get anxious, and I think a lot of my um, life has been spent on that high anxiety spectrum mm-hmm. of, um, you know, wondering what's going to come next. I used to describe it as uh, my life is a soap opera. And there's always something coming around the corner. And what is it that's going to kind of set me off and send me into a tailspin. So for me, it's definitely anxiety. And when I get anxious, I move into a very controlling place, which is that Enneagram one type, black, white. Um, I've been on several, especially church trips where I've been in charge and things went sideways and a different version of Chris came out, a a version Mm -hmm. that I didn't like, other Mm -hmm. people didn't like, um, and have really had to learn to, to love and give myself space in those broken places. Cause I mean, reality is uh, when I get anxious, I just need a timeout. I just, I've just got to take the time to uh, cool down, uh, get, get focused on what's going on. Be bit, maybe vent a little bit. That's when I really like to make a phone call when I know that I'm really triggered in an anxious place because somebody else can kind of talk me off that ledge a lot easier than I can talk myself off of it. So, hmm. uh, for me, it's definitely anxiety is where I find myself and have to really do a lot of work to get get away from that. Thanks, mm. Chris. Thanks, Chris. Hey, I'm Justin. Hey, Justin. What's up, Justin? You know, um, I would say anger and taking that motion of anger, taking it into even rage. Mm. Uh, growing up in a household where that was a common way to communicate. Um and in that, we, we, when we communicated, we didn't communicate as adults when we were in that state, but we communicated as children, um, even my parents, um, very much so. So I, I lose my, my consciousness in so many ways of what is reality, and I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to survive, um, and I'm, I'm doing whatever I got to do, including throwing anybody else in front of me under the bus in some way or shape or form, if I get into that state, because I, I don't have control. Um, and I, I would say, I think anybody here could say that uh, control is, is is a part of them and is part of their story and their path. And, and it's a management issue. Um, but for me, it's when I completely lose control is when anger really sets in. Mm. Um, and then I say things I don't mean, um, mm. do things I don't mean. Um, and I'm just me. Um, yeah. And, and in that, um, there's a lot of regret that follows. Um, and um, it, hell, it used to be the choice was acting out simply mm-hmm. off of that. It was a very silent anger. It was, I'll mm-hmm. take it inside and I'll show everybody around me, whoever hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will find a place to numb out and uh, take that anger and try to, to stuff it, um, which is not the healthy way to do it. Um, but other healthy habits have come into it. Um, I think Chris said it beautifully. I, I step away. That's my best ability to regulate my anger is to come back to reality. Space is where I can find 
and get back to that place of reality and get to, back to that place of, of um, regulation. And I don't want to say control because I don't want to be in control in all reality. Um, that's in, in other ways, the worst place for me too. Um, God's in control of this. Not saying that I, mean, I if I got to go right or left, I'm going to take that step right. I'm going to take that step left um, in the right direction. But um, I don't want to see big picture and think I have to have my hands on everything. Uh, but yeah, anger, a hundred percent. That's where my emotions go out the window. Um, and it's just like, I see as a bull, uh, we talked about bison getting gor- gorging people. I am the bull that sees the red mm. and, and I need the only way to get out of it is to take steps back, um, to take steps away. And, th- and one of the big, most beautiful things recovery has really brought to me in that process is the journaling piece. When I put mm-hmm. my pen to paper, um, I start to write out what I'm feeling um, and write out really what I'm thinking. And, and, and it's not as big of a monster as I thought it was. And that got me to that point. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's how I really, <laughs> that's my biggest oomph. Uh, uh, and that's also, I've learned to, uh, take a step back and, and I think that's been helpful, um, in that regulation, I guess we can call it, or to get back to a grounded state. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Yeah. I I like how you, this is Rob guys. I like how you brought in, um, Buffalo back into your share and uh, sound like you uh, every once in a while gored, gored by anger. Um, yeah, for me, guys, it's fear, and I so appreciate the word control because once fear starts to overwhelm or wash over me, uh, I immediately turn to fixing. Mm-hmm. I want to solve. I want to solve. I want to fix. I want to do. I want to distract. Mm-hmm. I used to want to self-soothe, um, mm-hmm. and it's because I don't like it. I don't like the way that that feels. <clears throat> Um, and so I'm looking for control, you know, exactly what you just shared. I'm looking for control over how I feel. And if I can do something with it, if I can put my hands to it, if I can go to my old bag of tricks and fix something, then I will, then I'll feel in control and I won't feel Mm -hmm. fear. And so the, the first trigger for me is, am I stuck in my head solving if I can see myself and slow down and see and feel that I'm stuck in my head, that's where I can kind of capture that fear and say, all right, let's spend some time figuring out what's going on here. And so I would say that's kind of uh, uh, tip number one that I'm stuck in fear and looking for control. Tip number two for me is if I find myself just randomly doing things, I know I'm avoiding something. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm just cleaning in the middle of the day, when I shouldn't be, when I shouldn't be cleaning or offering to fix and solve for other people in my life, then I know that's tip number two. I'm avoiding something here and I've got to sit down and just spend some time with it. So tips and tricks, you guys nailed it. Uh, for me, it's breathing. Just been simply getting back into my body. I would just call it regrounding, pick your favorite way to reground. For me, it's just deep breathing. Um, it's quieting uh, and it's just spending time just recognizing that like you said, Justin, I'm not in control. And this is a moment to, to get back into the moment. So that's it. Thanks guys. I'm Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Uh, well, you know what, <laughs> this is new ground for me, which is strange to say for as long as I've been in recovery. Uh, I feel like the guy who's learning French very late in life. <laughs> um, I'm, I, <laughs> I lost my emotional language early got lost touch with my heart, uh, and have reconnected with my emotions, tried to do it intellectually. So, uh, but that still is distant. So I'm, I'm, I'm back in therapy. Just love it. I'm a big fan of, um, Chip Dodd. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with voices of heart, um, and the Tin Man guys. So I'm with that group, Sage Hill, got a, got a, terrific uh, therapist. I hope to have him on the podcast here someday soon. And, uh, you know, part of the drill is that several times during the session, he points at that freaking laminated piece of paper on the floor with, with eight emotions on it and says, what do you feel? Mm. Uh, 
And there's a few, there is an emotion on there that never really came up during all the work I did during 12-step recovery, hasn't been a part of my vocabulary, but it's clearly uh, pretty big in my life. And that's the emotion of hurt. Mm. To say that I feel hurt. Mm. Uh, Well, if you grew up in a house where, you know, you just walk it off, nobody gets hurt. Only, Mm. you know. Uh, to admit that I'm hurt, that I feel hurt is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a new skill for me. But when I look back to see what has triggered me in the past and sent me off on some kind of a binge of some kind, it's when I've felt hurt. Um, and as tough as I may want to appear, I have tender spots Mm. and, and, uh, just a random comment that seems to to put me down or ignore me or to ridicule me in some way, Uh, whether that was intentional or not, man. Uh, So (laughs) Allie and I had had an opportunity uh, yesterday, you know, just to kind of, I got an opportunity to to, uh, experience and recognize hurt. Allie didn't mean to hurt me Mm. when I, you know, I gave her something personal and she laughed. She thought it was a light moment. To me, it was a personal moment. And I got to tell you, I, I she got an immediate rise out of me. And I had the immediate urge to use. That mm-hmm. came from the subconscious. That's old wiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, we got to have a very adult conversation. Uh, there were some tears. Uh, turns out I've hurt her many times in the same way that she hurt me. And I got a chance to feel it. So it was a good thing. Yeah. So I would say for me, triggering hurt. Yeah. That's good. I I didn't even know that was an emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's a new one for me. Thank you for putting some language around that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, hey, listeners, if you have found your own thoughts uh, running while we're talking, take the opportunity the next time you're in group, whether you're in a you're in a local Samson meeting or in an online meeting, uh, go ahead and bring it up. Suggest it as, as a topic. This is uh, this is good territory to explore. Well, fellas, thanks. Uh, we've got a good interview coming up. More to the show. Listeners, stay with us. Well, we'll be back uh, in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, welcome back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I am so thrilled to have with me today a man who has played a central part in my story, and whether you know it or not, the story of the Samson Society. Uh, Scotty Smith is joining us. Hi, Scotty. Good morning, Nate. Great to be with you in this big uh, Samsonite family. (laughs) Well, uh, when Allie and I moved to Franklin in 1998, we were under strict instructions from a lady I'd met on a plane uh, to walk down to Christ Community Church. You're still meeting downtown then. And uh, and to listen to a guy named Scotty Smith. And... um, from my very first exposure to hearing you preach the relentless grace of God, uh, something was shifting in me. I had not realized up until that point how steeped I was in legalism. And uh, I would soon find out how uh, steeped I was in shame. It wasn't too long after that that I, <laughs> Allie discovered me using porn. I went to my first 12-step meeting and then began this beautiful dance uh, because I was hearing the gospel from two directions. I was hearing it from you every Sunday, and I was hearing it in meetings, although they weren't using Jesus language, they were using God language. And it all was fitting together just so perfectly and so beautiful. And I I don't think recovery would have been possible had one of those voices been absent. Mm. Uh, uh, Scotty, I got to tell you, there was a key moment for me it was some time into recovery. I still hadn't said a word to anybody. I'm coming to church. I'm keeping my mouth shut. Uh, and part of that is uh, 
Allie's fear that if anybody ever found out what I was dealing with, any hopes of having friends, you know, would disappear. Uh, but I, I wasn't going to talk to you. And then I heard you on a Sunday morning, out of, uh, Scotty, oh. describing what it was like to watch a pornographic image crawl down the screen. Yeah. You used those phrases, that, 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 that phraseology. And that told me two things. First of all, you knew what it was like to look at porn. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was you'd watched it on dial-up. <laughs> Which, <laughs> well said. Good get. Good get. <laughs> you know, and I was, uh, you know, I was on high-speed internet by then watching videos. But, um, brother, I, 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 and then when we started, uh, Scotty, I remember coming to your office, making an appointment to come and see you after I'd been asked to help George Grant teach a Sunday school class. Yep. And I came to talk to you to explain why I couldn't do it <laughs> because I was in recovery for sex addiction and I couldn't promise I wouldn't relapse. And and it just did not compute with you. Uh-uh. And you just said, Nate, teach the class. And then you invited me to preach, which was just insane. Well, um, it, you know, and we both now it was it was insane in a graceless culture, gospel sane by the true story. So made yeah. all the sense in the world to me. Oh, oh. And then, you know, the encouragement you gave when I when I talked to you about starting the Samson Society and the way you. Uh, yeah, you, know, you stepped up, reviewed every version of the charter. We did 16 versions of the charter before we finaled it. Well, and, you know, uh, I really, let, let me jump in occasionally for this old man memory, you know, <laughs> back to what I just thought. But, you know, as I was reviewing that, you were teaching me, you were discipling my own heart. So it's just amazing how the Lord works. In fact, that whole season, Nate, uh, now that I've had, uh, a lot of my own recovery and being able to look back on that remarkable season. A couple of things occurred to me about what was unique about all of that for you, for me, for a lot of people. Number one, God decided to drop a gospel bomb on Franklin and we got to be the collateral damage. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. No yeah, one could yeah. take no no one could take any kind of credit for a unique environment there. And then number two, all I brought to that church plant was some some uh, mining skills I got in seminary. Fortunately, mm-hmm. they got attached to the gospel because I was in total discovery mode with mm-hmm. everybody else. It just you know we showed up together, uh-huh. and you had your brokenness. <laughs> You're really you you coming into my world uh, disconnected and intrigued gave yeah. me the bridge for me to go to cross in time to really go deeper into my. Uh, prison house of shame. So yeah, it's very yeah. mutual. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk about um, the prison house of shame? What, yeah. Unpack that for us. Well, I, it, it, let's see, it was at age 50 that I hit the wall and had a burnout in ministry, kind of what I call my version of Jonah's fish. Mine was mm-hmm. a burnout. Hallelujah. Because like all of we addicts, you run, 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 run until God buckles your knees. And for me, uh, what happened was I began to realize I dealt with guilt long uh-huh. before I began to deal with shame. I had, sure. had a fantastic theology of forgiveness and justification, but I did not realize that um, pulpit was my biggest environment to hide out in. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so really that, you know, it took for me the inability to run and to be so tired, I could not stay addicted to ministry to mm-hmm. begin to hear the father pursue my heart and say, you know, uh, I haven't just taken care of your guilt, but my son has carried your shame outside the city. Let's start doing yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But shame, I mean, shame to me, Nate, I don't know of a more discombobulating, uh, imprisoning power on the earth than mm-hmm. Shame. I mean, to me, shame is personalized demonization. And I hate, I don't want to put too much of a spiritual spin on it, but it is, you know, guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is something's wrong with me. Yeah, and sure. Uh, yeah. I needed to find the freedom in that. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, a quick theological question. Uh, we come from good Calvinistic roots. Uh, mine are shallow. I mean, I came to Cal I came to Presbyterianism late, raised in Pentecostalism. Uh, okay. Uh, for me, a shame can take root uh, in probably what must be a misunderstanding of that mm -hmm. Calvinistic doctrine yeah. of uh, total depravity. Yeah. Uh, how can I be shame-free knowing that sin goes that deep? Yeah. Talk to me. Well, and, and that, what you just described is a part of my journey as well, to realize that the, these words that are helpful words rightfully understood, um, mm -hmm. when, you know, when um, language like total depravity began to be used to say our, our, our issues are bigger than we realize, we don't need new habits you know, our, our, right. our need yeah. is far greater. So um, what I needed to see was that that means that there's no part of me that has not been impacted by sin and death. It's not that yeah. God is saying, shame on you, shame on you. It's yeah, yeah, more, yeah. look at the disintegrating power of a graceless experience of life. And there's not one part of my being, body, soul, and spirit that has been unaffected by yeah, um, the worst of of evil, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed to see that because you know, again, you and I remember well my spiritual parents, Jack and Rosemary Miller, and mm -hmm. they were so vital in living out that aroma of grace that would say, you know, cheer up, you're a lot worse off than you think you are, with a big smile on his face, because Jack was yeah. saying, here's the good news: when you really get the proper diagnosis. Grace becomes all the sweeter. You're never going to shock the father. You may know 4% of your sin. He's taken on the other 96% as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, uh, you preached through that uh, uh, dark time in ministry. I mean, you, <laughs> you kept going. Um, and how long has it been since you stepped down from Christ community? Uh, let's see, it was May 2012 when I transitioned out. And okay. you, just in what you just said, I want to make this comment because you and I are both wordsmiths. We both love the world yeah, of yeah. thought. We lived in our heads before we learned to live from our hearts. And I, I got insight into my burnout and a lot of this stuff before I really began to become healthy. And uh, even though I had a good friend after I had had started articulating just through this burnout, this uh, this, uh, you know, new insight, I had a friend, mm -hmm. a good friend said, I will kick your ass if you turn this into a sermon series. Well, oh, yeah. he could have kicked my ass because that's a lot of what I did for quite some time. And I think mm -hmm. for me, Nate, a salient point, I would say I would kind of put it like this. So if at 50, I had my burnout, which is when it was. Yeah, probably I did not begin to get into the depths of the shame until six years, four years later, when mm -hmm. Dan Allender and I were speaking at um, Taylor University on stewardship of sexuality. And the Lord brought forward my story of sexual abuse that mm -hmm. really was one of the arenas in which I had been so totally shut down. And so theoretical health began to move into existential, just yeah. slow down and let, you know, be that Mark II story. Let the brothers carry you to Jesus. Quit trying to carry your mat and yourself to Jesus. So <laughs> kind of yeah. more in that framework. I need yeah. to let people begin to be a part of my story, which is so much of what Samson has meant to me and the framework that yeah. you know, years have been cultivating. Wow! Wow! Hey, by the way, you mentioned Dan Allender. He he looms large. He's a he's a big personality in the world that I now inhabit. He's big in Samson. Uh, give us a little background. You go way back with Dan. We met in 1975 at uh, Westminster Seminary, uh, and he was one of the oddest looking human beings. When I first saw him, truly, he's we're coming into a class together. The first time I met him, he's looking around like. Are they here? And yeah. are they here meant two things. One, the mafia that he was dealing drugs with 
in high school who promised to put a contract on him. And two, just <laughs> if they really find me out in this place, because see, Dan came to Christ at seminary. He had oh, a wow. part of his story that so fits into the, the beauty of Samson. We had a fabulous Old Testament prof, amazing man named Ray Dillard, who smelled Dan literally coming to class pretty well stoned from the night before. And yeah. he said, Dan, uh, uh, I love you, and you you are addicted, and, and let's begin walking together. And uh, uh, Professor Diller, Dan, uh, Professor Diller's dad had been an alcoholic, so he really saw uh -huh. Dan. So Dan and my journey started there. Wow. And then uh, years later, when he went to Florida and got hooked up with Larry Crabb at, at mm -hmm. Spanish Rivers in Boca Raton, yeah. that's when we really started going into friendship, when we reconnected about the year 1980 or 81. And we've been walking uh -huh. together as friends. Uh, he's been a vital part of our story, Darlene and I. He and Becky are dear friends. So it's been a long yeah. journey and uh, yeah. 40 years of friendship plus. Yeah. Well, you didn't just um, sail off into the sunset uh, after you uh, left Christ Community Church. And a lot, and a, that was kind of like, in many ways, here you had this amazing career at Christ Community. Unbelievable what God did there. Mm -hmm. uh, but in a lot of ways, that was just prelude to what was to come. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's been going on the last decade? Well, well, well said. And first of all, I never envisioned... Number one, being a pastor, promised Darlene when we got married, I'd never be a pastor. So yeah, yeah. You know, the Lord writes our stories in ways we didn't see coming. But uh, but um, I think a part of my recovery was beginning to accept limitation, beginning to accept that sometimes transition provides the environment, the soil, the garden in which you can become healthy. And I think uh, for me, the transition has been into Oddly enough, as an introvert with extroverted gifts, uh -huh. uh, more time to get healthy, my marriage get healthier, mm -hmm. and really walk with leaders in all kinds of positions, uh, both in the church and in two other environments. I walk within the healthcare community and the Orlando area, and of all things, the bakery services world down in Dallas. And really? Yeah. So there's these two vocational discipleship environments where I walk with leaders who really want to talk about gospel culture, which, of course, is yeah, yeah. everything that Samson's about, both in common grace and in special grace. But so, yeah, so I'm still on staff at Weston Community Church, but with this long leash called teacher in residence. And I recently changed officially my title to teacher and learner in residence. Cause if we oh, I like it, I like it. Stop yeah. Learning that's, that's the death knell right there. But yeah, so I'm really Nate um, walking um, with a lot more uh, leaders who are really wanting to uh, find a way to end posing and pretending and to be more mm -hmm. present. And, yeah. um, and um, the, the place where grace flows best, which is low. So yeah, I, yeah. I feel healthier at 72 than I felt at 55. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Now, now Darlene uh, pursued uh, her, her own degree in uh, counseling, yep. right? Yep. Uh, what was it like uh, living with somebody who was uh, <laughs> getting that education? Well, you know, first of all, cool thing about how God uses people always you know, leading up to my uh, breakdown and burnout, there were three things Darlene said to me over the course of 17 years, like prophetically. So yeah. uh, just before we planted the church, we're, we're in Nashville already, but she wakes up one day and says to me, uh, I don't think I really know who you are. And that was the weirdest thing Sandy can ever heard because she wow. knew I wore, wore briefs, not boxers. She knew I like Carolina <laughs> basketball and meeting. <laughs> she knew what, what was going on when we moved to Nashville. Is when Darlene started her own journey of recovery. She didn't mm -hmm. want to come here, but we get displaced. We get vulnerable. She was doing work and then beginning to realize, you know, we we connect physically but not emotionally. And so that yes, segment yeah. was. Okay, I thought it was intriguing, odd, and I moved on. Well, when we planted the church and you and I were, well, before you actually showed up, I was preaching four times a Sunday for eight years, and I remember yeah. coming home one Sunday, and she said, Scotty, why do you think you're so much more alive in the pulpit than you are at home? 
Yeah. Of yeah, course, yeah. the idiot I was at the time, I said, it's just the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I get up there and preach it. Great. That's what you're talking right? And I'm alive in the pulpit. Good for you. She knew I could pursue, I could be passionate there, but could not pursue her heart or the kids' hearts because I didn't know my heart. Last thing, yeah. Nate, she said in 1999, after you done already, after you and I had already yeah. met, she said, Scotty, I want to get healthy with you, but I will get healthy without you. And wow. uh, that was kind of the beginning of I was just before I hit the wall. And so yeah. she had been shaped for she has a huge mercy gift and the degree yeah. she got in counseling focused that she never wanted to hang a shingle. She mm-hmm. just really wanted to be able to be present, especially in stories of loss and abuse. So so we you know, we just had our 50th anniversary and um <laughs> God's grace from beginning to end, because there were many times in that marriage we would have traded each other in for a Diet Coke. And yeah. uh, just, you know, uh, <laughs> couple, you, you, you beginning to live out radical recovery. People like you, of course, parents like Jack Rosemary Miller, I yeah. knew uh, running was not an option unless sure. we're running to Jesus. So, so yeah. we've been, yeah. we're, we're healthier as a couple than ever. Oh, that's so, that's so exciting. Now, uh, are you still uh, teaching at seminaries as well? Yeah, I'm adjunct at, uh, officially adjunct at four seminaries, but spend most of my time teaching uh, uh, one-week classes at Covenant Seminary, both at MDiv and DM level. And all of the stuff I teach is invariably doing personal story work, because you and I know uh, if, if, if at some level we are thinking more in terms of of God's story invading ours, uh, then at some level we're going to fall into the illusion of doing for Jesus is more important than being with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah, yeah. For that that platform. Wow, story work again, huge theme in the Samson community. Uh, story weekends are happening. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I'm going to have Ian Cron on uh, on the podcast shortly with his new book, The Story of You, which I, I think is just brilliant. Um, and you're writing. Are you still? How many books have you written, by the way? Well, I've written, I think, 12 or something like that. But the, the next thing I'm going to do that I'm most excited about, because it really speaks to these themes. I finally, uh-huh. everywhere I go, I find myself remembering something Jack Miller lived out before me or said. So I want to write a book, simply uh, phrases, images, and just doing a devotional orientation. I mean, you know, when when Jack would say things to me like this, Scotty, a mark of your growth in grace is going to be seen in who are you willing to disappoint? Like, what? (laughs) Or, or, you know, here's something else he said, and I have all these things he said, and I end up existentially quoting just in the context of teaching and preaching. One of the most liberating things he said to me was this, Scotty, know this, the better you know Jesus and grace, you you know, you're not going to have less to repent of. You're just going to repent quicker. So just like these, these, these images so I want to yeah. write that down before I forget stuff, and I really want to frame it <laughs> so that people can see. Here's this. Here was this little gospel Yoda yeah. that was so unimpressive, not the greatest orator in the universe, but just this remarkable man that got deconstructed uh, by the love of God and fortunately yeah. lived his last 20, 25 years with childlike wonder. He was the yeah. guy that said to Tim Keller, go plant that church in New York. Wow. I would have never planted uh, Christ community if he hadn't said, I want you to plant that church in Franklin. So wow. uh, that that's a lot. That will be story work because, you know, he was vital. He, he, he went to heaven before I hit my burnout. And that's uh-huh. when I cursed the heavens a little bit because I would have loved to have had Jack around for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord has a perfect timing. But, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about now. I just want to. You know, be a father to others like you and a brother and a son and uh, live out some of these images that were so, so critical. Yeah, yeah. It struck me you said that you wanted to write this stuff down before you forget it. I, I, uh, I'm i seven years behind you, but already feeling. Yeah, <laughs> this is such a rich stage of life. 
because things are really starting to come together and there's all that experience. But at the same time, I don't have the capacity I used to have. I don't have the memory I used to have. And, and I have a rising sense of urgency. Yes. I want to, I, I want to really redeem these last years as best I can. Amen. You resonate with that? So much so. And, and the good news of that, uh, you know, basically what you were describing is this, the stewardship, right? Stewardship of life, stewardship of story, stewardship of what yeah. the Lord's done, not phronicity, not if not me, who, but no, that's that. And I think that's a part of what, uh, see, when, when I, transitioned out of Christ community, I really didn't know what was next. I did yeah. know it's time to get out from all that pressure and illusion. I was not going to get healthier yeah. as the Wizard of Oz. That was kind of the image I took on. Oz hiding behind the curtains of ministry. Mm -hmm. I needed to get out there with Dorothy and Toto and everybody else and unbroken. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to Kansas together, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, but stewardship, right? I mean, that, that beauty of saying uh, it's not, uh, you know, John Piper said something one time, like, uh, I think it was under, and he, he, he's very, he's humored by it, but he used to say, don't waste your life. Don't count too many seashells. Well, my response to that is, I'm not under the law of don't waste your life. Yeah, yeah. It's the joy of the privilege of investing and saying, you know, Nate, and I've watched this for you, you know, to live far more in 80% of our sweet spot, to yeah. live far more with a sense of intentionality. And uh, and, and that's that's the kind of the freedom yeah. I want to live in. I want to still be free yeah. to know when Jesus says go fly fishing, it isn't just to catch fish, although that's a good and ridiculous yeah. thing. It's Get alone, get in the water, yeah. get quiet. Yeah. So yeah. I know I completely agree with you. I think uh, this generation emerging coming out of these last three years of crazy, you know, we yeah. need more gospel sanity than ever. And I think, Nate, you are a, you are, a, hear this not as performance, but as beauty. You are a gospel pace setter. And that's not language you would use of yourself, but mm. there are sons, brothers, and fathers that need more of, you know, guys like you and me that are comfortable owning the degree of our need. Yeah. And simply, simply said, let's go drink together. Let's go drink from the fountain of free water together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's what I'd like to ask you to do, Scotty. Uh, I'd like you to talk um, directly uh, to the audience. Um, we do new, we do uh, online newcomer meetings every day in San Francisco, at least one. And we're averaging at this point about five newcomers a day. Hmm. Almost every new guy comes in. I mean, we hear this. We hear similar stories, the same stories over and over again. So guys show up at the point of crisis hmm. where they've, uh, you know, they've just been confronted with the reality of what they've been doing, confronted with the reality of what's been going on. They might have been asked to move out of the house. They might be in another room. They might have lost a job. It might be even more serious than that. Um, typically, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> we get about, I average about five guys, new guys a meeting, but on average, 12 to 15 guys show uh, uh, sign up for the meeting. So only about 30% of those who sign up actually can actually, when it comes right down to it, get there. And they're pushing back against shame and pride Gosh. and all that kind of stuff. So the first thing I do is congratulate the guys who actually cleared the first hurdle and came. But uh, I know that you can empathize with where a man is because you saw me. That's where I was. Well, I saw you and I was watching you as a version of you wrapped up in uh, a lot of religious performance. So absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and these are Christian guys. So, yep. take a few take a few minutes, will you, and just talk to these guys. Well, my honor. Um, I mean that completely. And what what I would say to any of you and all of you that come from a faith story or no faith story or not sure if you ever want a faith story again, uh, understand this. Uh, Personally, I wish I had come out of my hiding much sooner. I had all these assumptions that no one uh, was as unworthy as me, that if I was really found out, I would be given the left foot of fellowship. You know, all the alienation, all the lies, 
all the misrepresentation uh, that I had about what it would mean to know welcome. You know, it, it, it took finally risking, in, r- risking the willingness to trust. And it did not take long. You know, one of the great things uh, about Samson environment or any environment that is intentional with, with God's welcome, whether again, wrapped in religious language or not, is it, 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 it takes looking, listening to stories around you to begin to realize, oh my freaking gosh, if this is legit, I want to be here, even if I need to be quiet for, for a while before I can find my voice. But, but dear brothers, friends, whoever you might be, take that risk. Uh, just let others extend to you a welcome that maybe you've never tasted before. Know that it is precisely in the reality of our brokenness and need that we really begin to discover our dignity and our worth. And it's so counterintuitive to everything in the world that's driven by performance and all this stuff. But I cannot overstress, you will find in these meetings, in this environment called Samson, a welcome, an opportunity, uh, a, a, the privilege of hoping. And it, it's not going to set you up to do it right. Just be present. I mean, mm. uh Again, uniquely, Nate's story, I will never forget the first day he came into my office with his wife. He had this permanent frown on his face. I mean, I was intimidated by his sadness, thinking that guy has got so much stuff going on. He will simply expose how incompetent I am as a pastor. <laughs> and I, I needed needs. I needed needs. I needed Nate's neediness to, in time. Help me begin to see mine. And that this theoretical grace was actual grace that I needed at deeper levels of my heart. So I am effusive. I am. I know nothing about the economy of words precisely because I want all of you to risk welcome, risk coming into an environment that will might be the first taste you've ever had of people not taking notes on what you did wrong, but will mm. absolutely offer their hearts and an opportunity to be heard, to be loved and to engage and to give. Mm-hmm. I could go on, Nate, but that's... That's, that's absolutely yeah. beautiful. That is just... Uh, what a great gift to uh, to the Samson community and to all our listeners. Well, Scotty, it's great to see your face. Uh, uh, I hope we get to do an event again sometime soon. I do as well, Nate. <laughs> I miss seeing you as the... You know, I dubbed you one time the abbot of downtown Franklin... Because, yeah. you know, I would see you in your favorite chair and Starbucks in different places. And uh, to me, Abbott's a good image. It's just the image of, of a willingness to listen, a willingness to walk, a willingness to yeah. show up. And brother, you have faithfully done that for me and for so many others. And I bless the day Jesus brought you into my life. Well, I can say the same. I am just so grateful that... Uh, God so ordained that our paths would cross. Uh, my life hasn't been the same. Well, thanks so much. Uh, if listeners, I know you get swamped with connections, but if listeners would like to contact you, is there a way that they can reach you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would say if, if you're at all involved in Twitter world, I'm simply Scotty Ward Smith and you can DM me if you go there or uh-huh. you can, uh, you know, I, I write grace prayers every day at a website called the Gospel Coalition. Oh, they're wonderful. And yeah. you can just go there and just click on to Heavenward, my daily blog. And through that, uh, there's an email address. You can reach out to me. So uh, okay. I would be honored if in particular any of you would just simply like to uh, find find voice and connection in that way. Okay. All right. Well, there we are. Uh, Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, that's about it for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Say, I sure hope that you enjoyed the roundtable and the interview as much as I did. Uh, So inspiring, so informative, (laughs) 
so liberating, just a reminder of the gospel and the beauty of this life of recovery and healing uh, that God has provided for us. Say, uh, before I go, let me remind you, if you are a Samson guy and you have not yet registered for the big national retreat uh, in uh, Eva, Tennessee, coming up the first weekend in November with the Hunters, Roan and Roe and Eva and musical guest Jason Gray, those beds are going quickly. If you want to make sure and reserve your spot, then uh, get there quick, uh, put down a small deposit. And also, if you are feeling like some, oh, Italian food and Italian scenery and Italian company and Samson Italian style, well, and if you can afford it, I know not everybody can, but uh, think about it. Check out that uh, international retreat first weekend in October and also a follow-up retreat the next weekend. It's going to be mostly Italian Samson guys, but anybody from around the world is welcome to come. I'll be there. Allie's coming with me. KK Ray will be there. Uh, also a reminder before we sign off that uh, we rely on your feedback and your suggestions, your encouragement, your criticism. All of it's very valuable to us. You can always reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail. Dot com. Well, until next week, then, I'm your pal, Nate, signing off for, <laughs> for the whole gang. See you next time on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>